Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord God, we're very grateful for your goodness to us. Um, we'd ask that you would be helping us in the book of James share your mind. That we would develop what we ought to as Christians in our minds so that we would be a pleasure to you. We're grateful in your son's name. Amen. It's, uh, as, as suggested, when you start the first verse of the first chapter of a book, there's a temptation to do a series because, well, the next part, it's, well, it's easy to pick the passage next week. Um, but I, I was at the funeral yesterday, and the guy who spoke, was his last name Porter? Pastor Porter? Uh, very good, a very good message, short, concise, about a passage that uh, I was really intrigued by, and I kind of wanted to speak on it this morning, and I tried. I honestly tried. So this is not laziness that dragged me back to the end of chapter one of James, but uh, a sense that that passage was, you know, as intriguing as it was to me, Hearing it from someone else yesterday, I, uh, I'll have to lay it aside for some other, some other moment. Now I have here part of what we covered last week, verse 16 of chapter 1. Really big type. This is the problem with being a graphic designer, is you can make the type as big as you want. And you can say, well is that inspired, Evan? That size, I think it's 19 point. No, it's not inspired. But I hope it draws your attention to some things. What I noticed was the reason I put it there is that do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. The first verse we were looking at this morning, verse 19, know this, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Know this, my beloved brethren. And it's followed in each case by an every every good endowment. And verse 19 says, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So there's a certain insistent quality here. It's caring, it's my beloved brethren, it's my people I'm fond of in a big way. But you're admonished, on one hand, not to be deceived. And I, one of the other reasons, not merely that it pairs up with this other beloved brethren thing, but later in the passage he talks about us being deceived and what we can be deceived by. Now, before the passage we cover here at the very beginning, the overlap into chapter, I mean earlier in chapter 1, It says about, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. That's what he's referring to, let not be deceived, my beloved brethren, every good endowment, every perfect gift. So people who would suggest bad things of God, things that would suggest that he was tempting us or bringing us into temptation, uh, not, you're not to be deceived by that question. When we talk about what we what we know and what we're deceived by, we have to realize that that is the nature 
of this beast. Um, there's knowledge that is true and knowledge that, falsely so-called, that you are deceived into believing. This is something that's an insistence on the part of um, Hey, Anders. Problem with being Anabaptists. They, they wander around everywhere. When we have um, this kind of insistence, what I'd like you to do, because I trust you guys are a, a better quality of Christian, that you're actually going to listen aggressively because James is leaning into us about our, about our apprehensions about God and about, our, about the Christian life. Uh, something we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, Nick reminded me of it in a conversation last night, and, and uh, about how doctrines, doctrines are measuring what is act, actual. Actual Christianity isn't doctrine. Actual Christianity is the life we have in Christ. Okay? If you have the life in Christ, you try to measure it with doctrine. It's the tape measure. You've got a Presbyterian one or a Baptist one or something. You've got a, a way of saying, oh, it's six centimeters long. It's 14 feet long. We want to measure our lives, but we need to be sure we need to remember that it is our life that is the actual. Our life in Christ is the actual. We try to measure it with our doctrine. God bless you if you find the true one. It helps you understand. It helps you find better life in Christ, having good doctrine. Not, not a problem. But know what the difference is. This passage has to do with what is. What has happened to you? I've been thinking a lot about the unity of the saints lately and, and um, how we are unified. We ought to be unified in because, because what is actual in us in Christ is supposed to be together with others who that same actuality has happened to. Those who wonderfully passed from death to life, who meet in a different building, I ought to be in, in fellowship with. I might not see them every week, but I ought to be in fellowship with them because of the actual commonality, not the measurement lack of commonality or the measurement commonality. Hey, we both use imperial measures. We both use metric. That's, that's not, what you're, it's not what you're measuring. Know this, my beloved brethren. And then it says something that we have to be reminded of because our actuality in these areas slips so frequently. You're not sitting around having a cup of coffee with the old lady going one day, you know, honey, I'm just not sure if Jesus is God. Your, your doctrine doesn't go, whoop slip off that side of the, just because the coffee wasn't that good. This coffee is awful. I don't know if Jesus is God. 
But you can sure have a different kind of actuality slip when the coffee is awful. Either your view of Starbucks, or your view of your wife, who made it. Darn it, woman! Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's your actuality. Know this, my beloved brother. Know this. You are supposed to be riveting, stabilizing these things. How quickly do you hear? How reticent are you to shoot your mouth off? How quick are you to anger? Because let you know, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. That should concern you, right? Because you're all about the righteousness of God. You would never say over your coffee that didn't turn out well. Not only is Jesus Christ not God, but I don't think, frankly, God is very holy. Given this coffee, you wouldn't doctrinally look at your measuring tape as you pulled it out and look at the numbers one through whatever and say, I don't know if I believe in seven. Seven inches I'm not sure I believe in. Our actuality, when we start looking at the tape measures we create, oh, we can create an orthodoxy, we can create a, a, a real devotion to that Stanley channel, you know, whatever the locking device they have on those tape measures that always break or get lost. But we're, we're very, 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 very constantly believing. We have slogans, measure twice, cut once. That's not where the actual is anyway. The actual is in your hearing, in your speaking, and in your feeling regarding it. Because it tells you to hear with alacrity. Be quick to hear. That you're stepping into situations because you want to hear. Not just shining it on or listening halfway, one earbud in, listening to some awful current band because there aren't any current bands worth listening to. But only one earbud in so you can maybe hear the rest of the conversation and pay half attention to it. Mostly so that you can say something quickly when it finally seems like the conversation is tracking on your material and you misunderstood it, but you're quick and you will speak long before you should. Now why do we less and less and we speak more? Now, believe me, I know I'm speaking, I'm preaching at the choir here, and I'm the only choir. I have a fat mouth. If I have sinned in the company of the saints, it is with my mouth. That's where I have made my big mistakes. You might not share that problem, but you know, even those shy and retiring, you know, little broken human beings that can barely utter a thing can be quick to speak when they're moved, when they're moved. Because remember, when I'm listening, I'm listening to others. When I'm hearing, I'm listening to, I'm hearing others. I'm not hearing me. When I'm speaking, I'm speaking self. 
And my mother used to always say, out of the, well, she quoted the Bible here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Doug and I got that pretty regularly. We're told to be eager to hear what others are saying, resistant to say what you think should be said. And you know what happens when that gets, when this actuality fails on some, on some angle of it? Because if I don't listen, and I'm always speaking, guess whose will defines his world? Look at me. But guess what? Everybody else is doing the same thing. So they're not listening to you. They're not hearing with alacrity to you. But you're sure speaking as if the world were listening to you. And guess what then happens? They don't do it your way. Guess what happens when they don't do it your way? You get angry. Because that's what you, as the God of your system, has to do. You have to punish people. You have to punish them with, with some, at least an emotional crisis, cursing at them, yelling at them, slamming doors. How, and what is that all based on? Well, I was speaking and they didn't listen to me. Well, you were supposed to listen. You were supposed to shut the heck up. Because being slow to anger, unless I'm feeding that world a different actuality, and remember, this is the measurement of God, and, and James, the brother of Jesus, is measuring this out for us, saying, you know, you should really know this. This is what is our bond in Christ. My beloved brethren, loved fellow participants in Christ, this is what the actual should be happening in your life. Because the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God, right? It works your righteousness, which is a crop. It's fake. And again, this is not merely it's to these people. I mean, let's just not let them off the hook. Angry people, generally florid men with a lot of sanguine qualities or choleric qualities who, who uh, have always answered things in their world by slamming doors or putting their fist through something. That's how they, that's how they speak their emotions. They could never weep, but they can sure curse. They're wrong. They're evil. But so is the mousy housewife who's not quick to hear nor is she slow to speak or slow to anger. It's a, the guys know what it sounds like. They know what contention is. They know what annoyance from the little lady sounds like. And it might not sound like the rather masculine guy getting into a fight in a bar. It's a, it's a far more insidious kind of wickedness. But let's just all admit that there's a way we could all do this. It's not like that some of us go, oh, no, I, I've really never been tempted to be slow to, slow to anger. Never been tempted to, be, to speak too quickly. In some circumstances, oh, maybe some, you're not. That, yeah, when you say, oh, yeah, in those situations where all those loud mouths like Evan 
get going. Don't give the floor to anybody. You have your way of doing this. Think of your way, because you are the one to know this, my beloved brother. You are the one who's supposed to see, what is the actuality in me? Because so much of what's going on in the sin of others, you're not in charge of. I don't know if you knew that. You're not in charge of their life. They're in charge of their life, and God will punish them. You're in charge of your life, and the actuality has got to be measured correctly and repented of correctly. Because your anger doesn't work the righteousness of God. And all it did, your, your quickness to anger was just like my mom said. We, our feelings are just merely the expression of how you view the world. You didn't listen, and you spoke too soon. And it all revealed how you viewed the world. And if anybody was wondering, it wasn't that you... I, I, you could say, I know certain people don't listen. Because they still get angry. What are you doing still being angry? This whole passage hangs all the way down to the end of the chapter on this comment. Being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And we don't measure it, we're not looking at it with the right degree of... <clears throat> sin, verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness. How many of you thought that describes somebody far different from you? We have to put away filthiness and the rank growth of wickedness. Because what else grows in you when you haven't listened to the things of God? And you too quickly spoke your own mind. Too quickly. Even if your own mind was all pious talk and doctrinal. If we do, are not speaking with the mind of God. It's all built on human urge. It's all filthy. Do you think of it that way? There are euphemisms for your sin, you know. I, yeah, I made a few mistakes. Oh, did you? Murder, a mistake. There are people who describe murdering someone as a mistake. Yeah, I, I'm kind of broken. No, you're a meth head. You're not broken. You're an awful human being. Remember, that phrase, I am an awful human being. I am a no account filthy, filled with rank growing stuff because if it is not of God, you're growing something, some kind of algae that is you, some kind of disgusting swamp plant that it can only grow in your kind of soil is what you're growing. Because unless, you've got, you got to put that away, it says, right? Put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness. And receive, he's talking about the hearing now, receive with meekness the implanted word. You've got to plant instead of what you did plant. 
Instead of what you did plant that exposed itself in the anger that you did not work the righteousness of God with, you have to, what's the word? Meekly take in the implanted word. Knowing what you have been and not excusing yourself. Now, some people who might say, Heaven, why are you always doing this? This is worse than tithing Sunday, you know? Worse than, we don't have tithing Sunday because I don't believe in tithing. Lucky you. We say, Why do you have to keep on beating us up? For heaven's sake, we're nice people. We, we like your church, except you're so mean. The righteous can rejoice in their righteousness. God bless you all. But don't hide from hearing under the thought that this is all too judgmental. Because that just proves that, that you'll at one foot step back. Did I ever tell you about that guy who went to a charismatic church and they were slaying people in the spirit? This is Dan Nekadam. Some of you know Dan. And uh, he went forward to get slain in the spirit. But his natural response show you here, just a was when they laid hands on his foot went back, braced himself, right, from going over. Because you don't want to get pushed over. Everybody else wanted to be, but he didn't. So he braced himself. And the pastor trying to drop him, and he wouldn't drop. I had one baptism like that. Greg Piros, who's a wrestler, like he, he had such core strength, he wouldn't let me take him down. He never went fully under the water. Because I couldn't get him down. We have ways of bracing ourselves. Not just ways of describing our sin and not listening. And not taking the biblical account of ourselves. And not saying, I'm here to learn what a person should be before God. This has got to be meekly accepted. Meekly implanted word that it, it grows in you this is the and, and I have to not put that foot back you're not that important these phrases are good to have you are an awful human being that's the first one that's lesson one before you start to listen and lesson two is yeah your defenses need to be dropped if you're innocent, before God, before God, if you're innocent, God will uphold you. If you're righteous, God will bless you. But listen. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, says in Ecclesiastes. There's an admission in listening. There's an admission in listening that we are uh, either proud or we're meek. Now, in verse 22 it says, but be doers of the word. Because <laughs> very quickly, very quickly, you will find people setting up some sort of crime against God 
in, in showing that they're following the first paragraph. They become loyal devotees of whatever ministry it is. All Souls Christian, Campus Crusade for Christ, um, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, whatever that you're into, you, just, you take it all in. The actuality of this measure of how you relate to the information, hearing quickly, slowly speaking, not getting angry. And that measures that you did the other two accurately to the right things. Some people can do those things, and James is ahead of us. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. This is one of the things you were told not to be deceived, my beloved brethren. This is where you can be deceived, very easily. Because nothing, the church is, if nothing, a purveyor of this kind of, you know, give you the card of what you have to chant back. Prove that you heard it. Sign at the bottom. Pass the exam. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only. Because this is a deception. Nothing is more dangerous to pastors than preaching on a subject. Because, what is my natural thought at the end of this sermon? Well, thankfully, dear heavens, I have a grip, I handle on this. I, I kind of admitted during it I, that I, I have a trouble with my tongue and and now that I've preached on it, they're all sitting out there going, well, he's certainly got a grip. I can't deceive myself. You can't deceive yourselves. Unless the life coming out of you is that which pleases God, the thing that we measure with doctrine, which is the result of having listened to the Holy Spirit, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. Now, maybe I'm a bit of an egotist. I'm a good artist, too. I could draw a picture of me right now without a mirror, without looking, because I love me. And I look in the mirror and I go, why, goodness, what a handsome man. Um, the... Maybe the rest of you can't do that. Of course, I can draw a picture of my wife, too, without even seeing her. Because I know what she looks like. But let's just say that's, that's odd. Different. But we know what he's trying to get at. When it becomes a hearer only, when it becomes a hearer only and not a doer, you're like someone who doesn't, can't even remember what the sermon was about 15 feet from the front steps of the church. There's a sort of existential entertainment being here, listening to good things being said, you presume they're good, um, laughing at the appropriate spots when I manage to be funny, and, uh, and forgetting about it 15 feet away. You forget what it looked like. These are parts of the deceptions. We would rather trot out a little attendance to church, or going to a Bible study, or reading your own Bible, yeah, see, I'm hearing and forgetting everything. 
But he who looks into the perfect law, he says, there's a different way of looking. There's a different way of relating to what you hear. The law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer that forgets, but a doer that acts, he shall be blessed in his doing. Doing is the end thing. All of the doctrine that you may have, and we're all souls here, we accept you from all sorts of different backgrounds, we don't check. You can't join, so hey, you can't make us do stuff. But, the question is, I use the illustration, are you a table? If God wants to build tables, did he bake a table out of you? All of our different doctrines are a way of measuring that dang table or describing the color of the stain. But that is it. Are you a table? And when you listen, if your task is to become a table for Jesus Christ, you're going to want to stop doing what you're thinking and start thinking what he's thinking. Hear what he has to say and quit sharing with the world your great wisdom about tables. You've got to be a table. You gotta be something other people could measure. I don't know what they, what they, they should say. I don't know what he thinks, but what a table. What a table. Many people could sit up to that table and eat to their heart's content. What a table. We have to be interpreting, we have to know this. Okay? When he says, it's a sentence, I noticed that going by. Know this, comma, my beloved brethren, period. Know this, brethren, know it. Take this home, pass the 15 feet from the front steps, and okay, okay, have I listened to the word of God? Have I been more interested in describing what I think and I feel and measuring the world in front of me with my emotional reactions, be it angry or something else, rather than the peace of God, rather than the righteousness that comes from God, because since the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God, it only works the righteousness of you, it seems that James is against you working the righteousness of you. Such a man is deceived. Do you want Christianity to be proclaimed in you. Little less of the apologetics, a little more of table. Now, don't go out there to the rest of the Christian community in some sort of zen of all souls, you know, just uh, grasshopper, be the table. And all the other Christians are like, okay, they're around the corner over at all souls. Or, I knew they had loopy doctrine, but now they're talking about tables. It is an illustration. You could have it be anything. A chair. <laughs> Tables are good because they have length, breadth, and depth. And height. And you can measure all those things. Be the one God wants you to be. If you look into the law of liberty, you understand the path. It's the, char- the path of character. Right? That is the nature of the law of liberty. You have been made, you've been set free from the law of, the, of Moses. You've been given over to the law of love, the law of Christ, the law of liberty.
You begin to understand that there's a separate source to your holiness. That the source to your holiness is other than you. That's why you need to hear with alacrity and shut the heck up and don't have it always be a measure of how you want your Christian world to be. How does God want your Christian world to be? What is the table? And he's manufacturing tables for centuries now. But you sometimes wonder in the church if there are any tables at all. There is a... uh, aspect of this when it talks about deception deceiving ourselves if we're not doers of the word but hearers only there is a intention if I'm getting anything across that actuality Have you ever found yourself describing the Christian viewpoint from the scriptures about a certain institution, be the church or your marriage or child rearing, and then you realize, oh my gosh, I am nothing like that. We can be such a word-centered, doctrine-centered, teaching-centered, but if nobody's listening and nobody's doing, Everybody's too willing to talk about it. Nobody's willing to live it. There's a major deception in that. It says this in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, remember this. James goes into something on the tongue a little later. But this goes back to the quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. All of that is addressed right here. If you think you're religious and you don't restrain your tongue, if you don't change how you listen, in other words, being a doer as well as a hearer, repentant and confessing the filthiness and the worldliness that's part of your life, if you think you're religious and don't bridle your tongue, but deceives his heart, This man's religion is vain. It's heart-level deception. I mean, you're down. It's not like, oh, I'm just sort of a poser. Posers many times know with a very few exposure moments that they're posing. These are people who think that they're the real. They don't know if there is anything more. Their heart is deceived. They think they're as religious as they can be. It's my thought on Hebrews where it talks about the person who can't be restored to repentance. I don't think it's God who won't let them repent. I think they would never repent. Their religion is too good to repent. There are people, when you're deceived about religion, you can become the worst form of human being because how do you repent of perfect religion? If you think you're religious and don't bridle your tongue, you're deceived at the heart level and it's a vain religion. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean 
that you don't think you're wonderfully religious. Whole churches are filled with people who didn't learn the phrase from all souls, I am just an awful human being. They never learned that. They never received with meekness the implanted word. They were really ready to talk about religion. And it's even worse. Now, I don't know if you knew this. Since we're not a doctrinal church, you don't have to sign on to particular things. I don't, just want to keep it clear. I'm right in everything I affirm. Okay? Just check with me later if you want to be right too. But how much worse could that be? My goodness. If you, if I, you know, we've got a, you say, let's suppose, you, you might think you're right. You say, I, I'm not that, I'm not a pro. In the areas you think, you think you're right. Who, who thinks they're wrong? Anybody? Yeah, I think I'm wrong. You all think you're right. And that's the worst. Because if you don't bridle your tongue, you're going to be constantly declaring the fanfare. I have some interesting views. They're wonderful. They're biblical. They're rational. They're life-changing. I'm faking crying. I, I don't know how to cry. But how much worse if I kept shooting off my mouth about what I think because it would be the fanfare for Evan. Evan and his views, which are right, no, no doubt, but fanfare forever. You probably have had a fanfare for you occasionally, whether you're some posing father in front of your children who are credulous, showing off, bragging before your friends about your knowledge about something, music or film, because that's all you young people think about anymore. Man, how trapped we can be when we deceive our heart about a religious thing. This man's religion is in vain, and he don't know it. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Oh, handy, handy tip. Right here at the end of the passage. Something you could take home with you. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. If you're listening meekly, receive the implanted word before God and the Father. Is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction? To keep oneself unstained from the world? So we know that life precedes your word. You're supposed to restrain your word and live your life. You're supposed to be doing what you heard. You're supposed to be, and, and the doing is supposed to have certain reflective qualities. And two of those things are listed. You might say, some people might say, all of the things are listed. But it's two. Help of the widows and the orphans in their affliction. And keep oneself unstained by the world. So, you could have that be a direct you know, okay, just widows, just orphans, not almost orphans, and not women who have husbands that are suffering from cancer. Well, they're not, they're not widows yet. I don't have to help them. 
Well, it's okay, just let's just round this out, okay? A kind life. Where you're kind to people in need. And two, now I know this more than anybody. Because as I've described to many people at my age with my Wilson genetics, as we become pear-shaped and the pear grows out and our mouth stays in the same place. So when we eat and drop food, it hits our shirt instead of the floor. Okay, so I have spilled and stained many a shirt. Did at the uh, imperial dinner the other night, right to the end, I had made it to the end. To the end. And I don't know who was setting this dinner up, but they put blueberries on the cheesecake. It was just like I was wounded, just shot to the heart right here. Yesterday, driving to Spokane, I'm going to a funeral, wearing these black slacks, this jacket, a white shirt, just like this, tie. I said to myself, we're going to be eating lunch before we go to the funeral. I have to be prepared. I grabbed the second white shirt, put it in the car. Right. Black pepper sauce, right here, next to the tie. Didn't even land on the tie, on the white. So I had to go out to the car and change into this white shirt in a car with people walking around the car. I understand stains. Just let you know, the world spills a lot. It is designed to spill. It's sloshing everything. Some intentionally right at you, some just because it's sloppy. You will be stained unless you take some clear action. The widows and the orphans, or whoever you're going to be kind to, aren't going to fix themselves. If they could fix themselves, you wouldn't have to do anything. Be kind to others. As you say, Evan, wouldn't it be nice if you gave us some tips about what we ought to do? Shouldn't you start a program for widows and orphans here at the church? No. I was telling you to start a program in you for the widows and the orphans. Not a program for the church. It's not our fault you're not nice. It's your fault you're not nice. Remember, I am an awful human being. If anyone thinks he is religious, I don't want to have this turn around to me and say, I want to have Evan think I'm religious by him giving me some standard of kindness. Find it. Seek it. The whole point is whether you listen to the things of God, you have it implanted in you, so that it produces the kind of Christian life that lives it, doesn't just talk about it, and doesn't have problems in your emotional passionate existence that always seems to get you into trouble, so you have to go talk to the pastor about what an awful human being you are. Quit doing that. But that's how you do it is not pushing it off on the church. It's whether you think you're religious and you don't do these things. You don't bridle your tongue, you don't listen adroitly and with alacrity. You don't do these things. You know you needed to listen meekly. You know you need to be measuring not your righteousness, but God's. 
And here's a little practical. Say, anything practical? I mean, this is awful. You've been just been chewing on us all morning, and the time's almost up. Bottom of the page, can you give us something? Something to take home and at least speak kindly to each other about. Confess. Say, I, I, this is so big, this is so much. Confess what you know you've erred in. There's lots of things we always wonder about. Sometimes we look at our wonderment, go, but I don't know if this, is this okay? It's okay? Don't worry about that. Don't worry. Go confess what you do know about. What you know is wrong. Clear the decks. Neat things up. It's amazing how the outlying things you don't know anything about, which you use as an excuse not to confess, become clear to you being right or wrong once you confess what you know is wrong. We have a very deceptive pattern of thought. We are looking to keep our way. And we'd like to design a very surreptitiously, a very religious way that looks like a religious way, but it's really Evan's way for Evan and your way for you. You can have your own views. I'm not going to tell you what to think about things, but did you follow this path? Did you meekly listen? Were you too ready to talk your way out of it? Did the result that you got end up being your temper, your annoyance if you're a woman? You might not be the screechy, slam the door sort of woman. You just may be the annoying kind. You could be the awful human being that's a, a man who can't control his temper. But whatever the case, it's because you didn't listen meekly to the implanted word. The end result, the table. You ever found a table that you got an antique store, you put your hand on it, goes blah, 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 realize the legs don't all meet the floor. Check your table. Do you get angry? Doesn't work the righteousness of God. Are you kind to those in need? Have you kept yourself unstained by the world? No, I'm not going to tell you what that is. Have you thought about it even? Have you rejected something you wanted to do? Because it was, in some way, the kind of stain from the world a Christian shouldn't have. And you recognized it, not your pastor and not your church, and not your culture. It wouldn't let you do that. Too many of us are thinking about what we are allowed to get away with. Well, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible it can't do that. Listen with meekness. Listen to God. Let's thank Him. Dear Lord, we're grateful. You're there to be heard. We want to listen. Keep us from deceiving ourselves. In your Son's name, Amen.